0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9, 18-26, called Turning to the King.
1: So this week, I was preparing and I was thinking, you know, these are some of the most painful things in life. Uh, The death of a child, Uh, inexplicable, long suffering that you, you try to get a doctor to help you, multiple doctors to no avail, spend all your time, resources, and you don't get healing. Some of the most painful things in life are right before us. And one of the reasons I'm a Christian is because Jesus entered into our pain. Amen. He entered into my pain. He's right there in the midst of it. So at the end of first service, I had mentioned some of these connections with the son and the daughter and how painful it is to lose a child. And some of you are in that position and you have, and a young couple walks forward at the end of first service. And I can see that there's a lot of of emotion and there's tears in their eyes. And they said, would you pray for us? I said, sure. I said, "Uh, what's going on? Well, the 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 mom said that on Mother's Day, so about a month ago, she had a daughter prematurely at six months pregnant, and it was a stillbirth, and they lost her. And they said that ever since that happened on Mother's Day, and they lost their, their daughter, it's caused them to come back to church. And they've been here about four Sundays in a row since then. And they both gave me permission to share this, and he's in the military, and Basically, they said this, that through this tragedy, as as hard as it is, and they ask for prayer and they need God's comfort, it has drawn them back to the Lord. And I'll just say this, that I don't understand all the whys of the pain and suffering in the world and the losses, and I'm not gonna try to tell you that I do understand it. But I do know that there's moments in life where Jesus becomes the only place we can turn. And we're gonna watch a synagogue leader And a woman, reach out the hand of faith and really in desperation. And Jesus is going to do what only Jesus can do. And that is heal what seems to be incurable. In fact, he's going to say to the woman with the flow of blood after she's healed, your faith has saved you. Your faith has healed you. And if we're gonna find healing in our nation, if we're gonna find healing in the church in our nation, We're going to have to restore biblical faith in the Messiah, amen? You agree with that? Not a bad time for an amen, a hallelujah. Something else. Most of you know that the synagogue leader's name is Jairus, the other accounts give us his name. And Jairus has a daughter that Jesus says, she hasn't died, she's only sleeping, and I'll explain that in a moment. Jairus, the synagogue leader's name means, get this, he will awaken. Tell me that the Bible is not written by the finger of God. Jairus' very name points to the miracle that he asked the Lord to do. So the story begins in verse 18. Remember a shorter version from Matthew. While he was saying these things to them, Matthew sets the scene as Jesus is having a religious debate about fasting and feasting with uh, sinners and tax gatherers and so forth, behold, the camera pans, there came a synagogue official. This is the top, probably the top religious leader in authority in Capernaum of the local uh, synagogue. He may be something like a pastor who organizes all the services and so forth. He bowed down before Jesus and said, my daughter has just died But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Now, the synagogue official we learn from the other Gospels is named Jairus, and the other Gospel writers say that basically not only did he bow down, but he fell at the feet of Jesus. The the language literally, when you look it up in the the Greek lexicons, literally can mean he collapsed at Jesus' feet. These are such hard things for any of us to deal with, right? Right? having your daughter on the brink of death. Matthew says he's already got word that she's died, but we know how difficult this had to be. And Jairus, we don't know what his interaction with Jesus is to this point. We don't know if he had a negative view of Jesus. We don't know if he had a positive view. We're we're not completely sure. Jesus had done something in the synagogue earlier that got a uh, kind of a violent response, but we don't know if Jairus was among those who thought negatively of the Lord or not. Here's what we know. This guy has collapsed at Jesus' feet and he's begging him to help his daughter. It's his only daughter. She's about 12 years old, Luke 8, 42, and she's dying. And so this is the story that is before us. And Jesus, 19, rose. There's no verbal response recorded from Jesus. He just got up. Maybe he gave a nod like, yes, I'm coming. And he began to follow him and so did his disciples. The other gospel writers tell us, Mark 5, 24, as Jesus went off with him, a great multitude was following him and pressing in on him. In fact, the NIV of Luke eight forty two says, Jesus was on his way with Jairus. The crowds almost crushed him. You have to get out of your mind the idea that Jesus is walking down the street with a few disciples and a few people. The crowds had so uh, gathered around Jesus that it was like being at, an event like a concert or something like that, or Disneyland for those of you who choose to go to Disneyland. My, my wife and I uh, had an invite to go watch a wonderful uh, show at Christmas time at Disneyland, and that was a, a great blessing. That show was a great blessing, but we were trying to prepare ourselves to go to Disneyland because it sounds good until you're there. Can I get a witness? Now, if you're younger. Just wait, wait a couple decades and things will change. And my wife and I were there and we went to California Adventure and we were dodging people and hitting shoulders of people and dodging moms with strollers that seemed like they were going 25 miles an hour. In fact, I dove into the bushes to avoid one of the strollers. It was pandemonium. And finally we looked at each other and we said, let's pull off to the side and have a cup of coffee and just watch people. Boom, 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 boom. It was craziness. Who pays for this? We got in free. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so and still we regretted it. (laughs) So, why do I bring it up? I have no idea. No, I do. The crowds were so thick that Jesus could barely move. There were people were pressing in, and you could imagine Jairus thinking, "Let's go, no time to spare. Let's get to my house." But everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. The crowds were so thick. This was his everyday experience. Imagine how patient he was. You know, sometimes we get caught up in a crowd and we're 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 feeling claustrophobic and we can't wait to get out of there. This, This was Jesus's, much of his existence on the planet, his life on the planet was huge crowds and need after need and desperation. And of course, if it's my need, I want Jesus to pay attention to it the most. He should, you know, my sense of urgency should be at the top of the list. So this is what he dealt with and the crowds were pressing in and Jairus is desperate and maybe he's got tears in his eyes and he's excited at least that Jesus is coming, maybe hoping against hope. And all of a sudden, Matthew says, behold, 20, a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. Now, as he's on his way, To touch the little girl, to heal the little girl, which we know will happen, another person emerges, and it's this woman. And for her to even be in a crowd was something that she probably didn't normally do, but she somehow made her way through. She came up behind him, probably for fear that she would be found out, and she... Just was saying to herself, and the, the language would allow for repetition, if only I can touch the fringe of his garment, if only I can put a finger on one of those tassels that hang down from Jewish men, I will be well, I will get well. And so she came behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and she was suffering, long, hard, arduous suffering. The physician, Luke, tells us that she went to doctors but couldn't be helped by anyone anymore. Luke eight forty three. You could take a look at it. It just grown, grown worse and worse and worse. There was, seemed to be no solution. And she said, "If I could just touch the fringe of his garment, let me just paint the picture for you a sec." In the first century, Jewish men wore tassels on the four corners of their cloak or their garment. And the law said in the book of Numbers that they would sew blue tassels into each of the corners. They would hang down from a Jewish man. And they were symbolic of, I belong to God. They were a reminder that I'm part of the covenant people. I believe the word of God. Kind of like if you wear a little bracelet reminding you of who you are. But it was the law to do this. Now, during the time that the Nazis were doing their terrible stuff, the Jewish people, in order to hide from being recognized as a Jew, would sew the tassels into their undergarments to keep from being killed by the Nazis. And today, my understanding is that Orthodox Jews uh, will sew these into a prayer shawl that they wear. So still, it's, it's the idea of a tassel. And the, the woman may be saying something like this, if I could just touch a tassel, If I could reach out the hand of faith and grab hold of just one of those tassels that hang down from his garment, I will be made well. And brethren, here's the picture. We are to reach out and grab hold of eternal life. And the Lord is passing by all the time. He's available to each one of us. And if we will reach out the hand of faith, he will extend to us salvation. He will stop the bleeding, and I'm talking about the internal bleeding. I'm talking about the spiritual issues that we have in our lives. Because remember, there's a spiritual picture underneath this. And so that's what she said to herself. If only I can touch the garment of the king, the great high priest, I will be made well. God said this through uh, uh, Jeremiah the prophet. This is Jeremiah 30. I'm gonna use some selected verses. This is verse seven. Alas, for the day is great, there is none like it, it is the time of Jacob's distress, but he will be saved from it. Jeremiah thirty eleven. I am with you, declares the Lord, to save you. I will destroy completely all the nations where I've scattered you. Only I will not destroy you completely, but I will chasten you justly, and I will by no means leave you unpunished.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Believe it or not, if you have doubts and questions about your Christian faith, you're not alone. The recent deconstruction movement phenomenon has a number of Christians rethinking what parts of the Bible they identify with. But is the movement simply about having doubts? If deconstruction is just about asking questions, I'm just asking questions, I'm I'm going through some doubts, then declaring war on it would be wrong. And actually unbiblical. But if deconstruction is about leading people away from historic Christianity, then declaring war on it is completely appropriate. And biblical. Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Download the free Walk in Truth app available in your app store today. You can also listen to the first part of this conversation when you listen to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth.
1: Because remember, there's a spiritual picture underneath this. And so that's what she said to herself. If only I can touch the garment of the king, the great high priest, I will be made well. God said this through uh, uh, Jeremiah the prophet. This is Jeremiah 30. I'm going to use some selected verses. This is verse seven. Alas, for the day is great, there is none like it, it is the time of Jacob's distress, but he will be saved from it. Jeremiah 30, 11, I am with you, declares the Lord, to save you. I will destroy completely all the nations where I've scattered you. Only I will not destroy you completely, but I will chasten you justly and I will by no means leave you unpunished. I'm dropping down to uh, Jeremiah 30, verse 17. I will restore you to health and I will heal you of your wounds, declares the Lord. And right before that, he basically says, you have what appears to be an incurable wound, but I will heal you. Now that's Israel. That's the connection to the woman. That's the great need of our day or of any time for us to be saved. We have an incurable wound, it's sin. And the wages of our sin is death. But the free gift of God You receive the gift of God by faith. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. Yet when we reach out for it, he will grant it to us simply by faith. There's no good works the woman did. She came from behind. She was desperate. There's nothing that Jairus could do. He collapsed before the Lord. And the Lord basically says to the prophets, if you turn to me, you will be healed. If you don't turn to me, you will remain in your position of hemorrhaging, if you will. That's what's before us. She kept saying to herself, if only, 21, if only I can touch his garment, literally, I'll be saved. I will get well. If only, if only. She came up and she touched his cloak. Spurgeon puts it this way, a piece of fringe and a finger sufficed to form a contact between a believing sufferer and an almighty savior. And so she had this thought, it was obviously great faith to, to think the thought, and she extended the hand of faith. And Mark 5.21 puts it this way. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. The NIV said, says freed from her suffering, Mark 5.29. Luke puts it this way, and Luke was a medical doctor. She came up behind him, touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately the hemorrhage stopped. Can you imagine the emotion that this woman must have been feeling. know, when we go through chronic ailments in this life, sometimes we feel like, is it ever gonna end, right? Is there ever gonna be a point where I don't have to deal with this or there's some resolution to what ails me? And I'm sure that's probably where she had ended up. And after all these doctors saw her, I'm sure it was easy just to dismiss her because We are people, right? And we forget about people who suffer and it's easy for us just to think about our own issues. And all of a sudden, the hemorrhaging stopped with one touch, one word from the Lord, one release of his power, and he can change everything, amen? That's what's happened to us. That's my story. I think it's your story. I was at a desperate point in my own life and I reached out a hand and said, oh Lord, save me and he is faithful to save. And that's exactly what he's done, I think, in most of our lives. If only I can touch his garment, I'll be healed. The other gospel writers fill in the blanks. Mark tells us that Jesus said, who touched my garments? Mark 5.32. And it was, I think, Peter who responded, Lord, what do you mean who touched your garments? Everybody's touching you. Look at this crowd. We're squeezed in like sardines. A day in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ, right? There's so many people around. What do you mean? Who touched you? Everybody's touching you. We can't wait to get out of here, right? And Jesus says, no. Luke has it this way. No, someone touched me, Luke 8:46, And I know that power has gone out from me. Well, Jesus sensed that this was a different kind of touch. Let me give you an example. You can preach to a sanctuary of people. You could preach to a stadium of 30,000 people. And the power of the Lord will go out. And some people will be converted on the spot and other people will be like a wall. What's the difference? Why does one person get saved and healed and another person not? The difference is faith, amen? Amen because we are saved by grace, but through the channel of faith. Now, some of that is a mystery how that all comes together at a a point in time for a certain individual, but that's the deal. And so Jesus says, no, this was a different kind of touch. Power went out from me and the woman was healed. And the other gospel writers say that she was embarrassed, she was trembling, or maybe she was more afraid. And she explained that it was her. It's me, Lord. I'm the one. And everything came to a stop. Can I ask you? Would you stop for her? Would you stop for a woman who is considered an outcast in society? Would you stop the train for a woman like that? Jesus didn't say, hey, why'd you touch me? Right? He didn't rebuke her. He didn't say, I don't like to be touched. Don't be touching me. And by the way, It would appear that you're unclean. No, Jesus didn't care about how people were categorized because his holiness made people clean. They didn't make him unclean. He didn't worry about that stuff. I know some of us are a little weird about being touched. Anybody out there? Now, we have people in the Christian community at different levels of, uh, let's put it as acceptance. For example, some of you know Paul Hicks. Paul Hicks has now moved with Deborah to Prescott. And his famous thing is, woo, we called him the woo-hooer. And he would woo-hoo during the services and everywhere else. And Paul would give you a holy kiss. And he would defend it as being biblical. But it wasn't just a kiss, it was wet. And he, he claimed it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't b- buy it. No, he, he would kiss you on the cheek, okay? But he would spray you. Wow! And... And you just have to love him in the Lord. No, Paul's (laughs) such a great man. But there's other people. I remember I did a prayer at the end of one of our services many years ago. And I asked everybody to hold hands. I said, you're supposed to love each other. So hold hands with uh, the other believers next to you. And I had a few uh, notes in the offering box. (laughs) I don't like to be touched, man. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) You know, some people are really huggy. Other people are like. And other people are like. (laughs) I'm not quite there. Don't touch me, man. But Jesus didn't do that. It was more a question because he knew what the touch was. Someone believed and had their life changed in the moment. You know, it's, it's really interesting to think about how faith is so, all we got to do is reach out a hand and God saves And so Jesus turned to her, 22. He turned around and looked at her and he said, daughter, notice that. Be of good cheer. Take courage. Same thing he said to the paralytic earlier in the chapter. Your faith literally has saved you. And Matthew says it's right here that she was made well.
0: You've been listening to Turning to the King, part two on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew, chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with the
1: final word. Well, maybe you would say, I've been reaching out, trying to grab hold of the fringe of Jesus' cloak, but it seems like I keep missing or it's just out of my grasp. And, you know, you're kind of speaking the language right there of the Psalms. Often the psalmist Felt like you know his tears were, you know his only companionship at night. He flooded his bed with tears. He he asked, "Where are you, Lord? How long is this going to go on?" I've been spending quite a bit of time in the first uh, thirty psalms, and I do see this repeated over and over again in David's life. But then David has a turnaround where he'll either have an epiphany or he'll have a heart change, and and just by virtue of going to the Lord with the problem, even the problem of seeming unanswered prayer. The Lord seems silent. What do I do then? Well, it does stretch our faith, right? When we have to push through, we're like that Canaanite woman who wouldn't give up, though Jesus at first didn't respond to her in Matthew chapter 15. We could say maybe those times the Lord is developing our faith. So we don't always know what he's up to, but I would just say this. He's If you belong to Jesus, he's with you. Uh, He's not against you. That's what you can know. You can stand on promises that God has not moved. I will never leave you or forsake you, even if it feels like you're missing the the edge of his garment. Now, I would say this, that if you've not met Jesus yet, the most important thing to do is to call out for salvation first to make sure that you've repented of your sin and received him as Savior and King of your life. But if you're a believer and you just have, frankly, been reaching out and you feel a little bit like, oh, Lord, where are you? I would just say, hold on, my brother, my sister, my dear friend, because the Lord is not far. He lives inside of you if you're a believer, and he will be faithful to minister to you. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, if we can minister to you in any way, we have a phone number that you can call Tuesday through Friday, Pacific time, business hours about nine to four. It's 844 48 Truth. That's 844 48 Truth. We've had a lot of people over the years take advantage of that number just to get prayer or share their hearts with a pastor. 844 48 Truth. If you have been reaching out and you feel like, you know, I just need to talk to somebody and I need uh, a human voice and someone to hear me out, we'd be happy to do that. Happy to pray with you at 844-48-TRUTH. We'll see you right here tomorrow.
0: And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9, 18 through 26, called Turning to the King. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.